Well, well, well. Welcome, my friends, to Sip, Smoke, and Savor. It is show number six, and we are so glad to have you on board. My name is Cruz, my partner Ian Barry. How are you, my friend? Doing good today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I just would like to point out that right before, and I don't know what this means, but right before we um, started the show, right before the music rolled, uh, Bobby Duncan from Radio Brave, who's engineering for us today, Bobby Slam Duncan actually says, and then like the music starts, and I don't have time to even process it. He goes, "You can cuss if you want, but I wouldn't recommend it." I have no idea, like what. What does that mean? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. So, <laughs> so we're glad you have joined us. We'll probably cuss at some point. Um, it's sip, smoke, and savor. It's the program about. Uh, well, craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. And uh, we love to get together and discuss them and uh, talk about them and, most importantly, sample them. And that's uh, essentially what the show is all about. It's a nice and uh, easy uh, hang for us. And, Ian, what is this? Did you bring – what are those, macaroons? What are those? No, Miss, Miss Samantha brought those. Oh, Samantha, look at you. These are great. Thanks. They're multicolored, and uh, they're really interesting. I'm going to show these to the camera because we are doing the uh, – the um, the Facebook Live thing as an experiment today. So uh, those of you who are hearing the show uh, normally on Radio Brave or on demand, uh, this won't probably even be a thing. Uh, but if it works, we'll be probably doing some more Facebook Live those stuff. Of, in the those future, of you so. who suspect that we're drinking while we work, you are correct. now actually will have proof <laughs> yeah. that we are we're, drinking. We're, while we we're work. toasting you right now. So uh, we're actually opening the show, and this wasn't one of our beers to taste. Uh, this uh, this episode, but we are actually opening the show with a uh, uh, a five o'clock pills from St. Arnold. And I have to say, it's lovely. <laughs> yes, good drinkable beer. Yeah, very very good. So good, good day starter. So this is the program where we love to talk about uh, the good life, uh, or at least what we you know perceive to be the good life. Uh, fine spirits, uh, craft beer, fine cigars. Uh, Ian, did you smoke anything interesting this week? I went camping this weekend. Oh, that's right. And see, I left I Friday knew, morning. I knew my uh, my text was quiet because you were like out in the middle <laughs> of the country. You were I communing left, with nature. I left Friday morning. I left uh, all my responsibilities and my give a damn. I left at the house. Love it. And I took off and I went out to Canyon Lake and had a great time. So to answer your question, yes, I smoked a ridiculous cigar while I was floating down the river getting so crazy burned um, <laughs> by the sun and the cigar actually outlasted the float around the horseshoe wow. in How New Braunfels. That? How about that? It was a eight by eighty JFR Lunatic, I believe. Wow, an eight by eighty eight by eighty. Yes, uh, I think we're going to post a picture of this thing. It's actually taller than a beer bottle. That's gargantuan. Yeah, it's crazy. And, wow. And it's it's hilarious because I just I got into my inner tube. I had beer. And I had that cigar, and that cigar lasted the entire river trip. When you're tubing, do you have trouble keeping the cigar dry? No. No? No, no, no. Because no. you're just kind of gently floating down oddly the stream, enough, right? Okay, so a couple episodes, you asked me, do I leave the labels on? Yes. Well, when I'm tubing, I leave the labels on, and then I can grab that cigar just by the label with wet fingertips. If your fingers are wet, right. No yeah. problems. Yeah, yet. okay. Well, and there you go. I have done this many, many times floating on the river, and I'm always looking for the perfect cigar for this. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the longer, skinnier cigars, um, they'll work. But this one, I, this is going to be my go-to Well, if it's 8 by cigar. 80 was it an 80 ring gauge? It's an 80 ring gauge. Holy it's moly. It's insane, yes. It's wow. absolutely insane. And it smoked fantastic. It smoked incredibly even. Bobby said we might want to cut, so I'll just say, shit, that's big. <laughs> go uh, ahead. Uh, get, well, get it out. Let uh, it yeah. out. 
Wow. So uh, yeah, it's an eighty ring gauge by eight inches long, and it was it smoked great. It uh it it had a nice solid uh, uh, oily wrapper to it, yeah. so that the water wasn't even that big of an issue if my hands were damp. Um, it smoked really well. It was definitely in the medium range, mm-hmm. uh, and it had uh, you know a pretty medium smoke to it. But uh, it was a uh, it was medium enough to where all the beers that I was drinking. Of course, I was drinking the the nice you know let's float down the river beers. So right, I was having right. the um. Lucchese that we tried. Oh, nice. Yeah, That's so good. I bought yes, some of that. Yes, I went by and yeah. got some of that. And they also make one called a London Homesick, which was quite good. So <laughs> I drank that with it. And then I had some sympathy for the lager. And nice. all those yes. things were in my cooler. Yeah. And I had a great time. That, that, that cigar, that was an hour and a half trip around the river, and I still had cigar left on the way back up to drop off the tube. Now, I mentioned um, on one of the previous shows, being a fan of IPAs, that sometimes I have trouble having a cigar with an IPA because of the bitterness. Like I, I feel like it impacts the cigar in a way that doesn't work as well with the cigar. But you mentioned Sympathy for the Lager, which is a lighter lager, but it's very malty. Yes. That pairs with uh, with cigars That's really well. probably why it is one of my absolute favorites. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know a lot of lagers that I really go, man, I, I just want that one. Mm-hmm. That uh, that particular lager, I buy that off the shelf all the time. Yeah, it's it's that's that's our buddies over at Carbox. Yep. That's, uh, that's, that's some really, really good stuff. Um, well, I had an interesting uh, cigar this week, and I had I had um, you know been thinking you know so because we usually ask each other this question on Did the you show. Did you smoke anything? Smoke interesting anything interesting this week? this week? It's got me now thinking like if I go through the week and maybe I've had just some things that are fairly you know normal for me or stuff that I've mentioned on the show before, and it gets later in the week, I start thinking. I don't know if I'm going to have a good answer to that question, right? <laughs> so, so, I, so I find myself looking for something really interesting. And this week I really did find it. I smoked a Room 101 Uncle Lee cigar. This cigar comes only in uh, one size. It's a Perfecto Torpedo shape. <clears throat> and it was a limited production cigar. Matt Booth from Room 101 did it together with Davidoff. So uh, that's an interesting pairing right there because Davidoff is one of the most sort of like established and prestigious and yes. serious cigar companies. And Matt Booth at Room 101 is sort of like one of these young sort of cigar rebel type guys that's really doing things differently. And, um, you know, the packaging I've, is very different, non-traditional and all I've of that. I've never had a bad cigar from either company. As a matter of fact, the uh, the Winston Churchill from Davidoff is mm. amazing. That's a fantastic cigar. Now, I've had a lot of Davidoffs that were... Uh, Extremely mild. They were good in the mild way, yeah. but extremely mild. And then they have a few that are uh, that are bigger and hardier. This one was definitely bigger and hardier. It started out medium, and as it burned, became I would say by the time it got halfway, it was actually what I'd call full. Oh wow! Okay. Um, <clears throat> so it was really interesting watching it do that. But I went and looked up some information about this and discovered this is a limited production cigar. Uh, Matt Booth from Room 101 did it with Davidoff, and the first store in in the world to sell this cigar was Stogie's right here in Houston. Oh, very uh, cool. So it's just really cool sort of Houston connection to it. Those guys are so nice. The project, uh, the um, Uncle Lee project, has been intended to be a tribute to Matt Booth from Room 101 to his uncle named Lee, so it's Uncle Lee. Uh, Matt Booth credits his uncle to introducing him to both cigars and Bob Marley music. So, <laughs> so there you go. It's it's a perfect uh, it's a perfect tandem. And it made me think. You know, I, I'm not the type of person. Uh, although I huge respect for Bob Marley, I'm not the type of person that can usually put any reggae album on and make it all the way through. 
You know, I'm I'm about a three song reggae person. I love ah. it for three songs, and then I start going, okay, whatever. But when you're having a cigar, it just works perfectly. It's, it's a mood changer. Yeah. yeah, you can go all the way through that reggae album and go, do we have any Ziggy? Let's put some Ziggy. You know, like <laughs> it, it, it totally works. Uh, this cigar is uh, made in Honduras, but it's got an Ecuadorian wrapper and a Nicaraguan binder and Honduran filler tobacco. So it's really a, a very, you know, very much a hybrid uh, tobacco cigar. Um, I got notes of cedar and uh, some really nice, like, you know what I mean when I say tobacco flavors? Mm-hmm. Like in a very positive yes. sort of way. Really, really dug that. And a little bit of chocolate, a little peppery as it burns down. It was a great draw, a decent burn. And it's about a $10 cigar. Price to quality, I'd give it about an 8 I think. So um, I really enjoyed it. And it was one of those where I had actually bought a box of 10 so I was stoked after smoking the first one at how good it was. You, you ever do that? Like yes, you buy nice. a box of cigars, you smoke that first one, you're going, "Come on, come <laughs> on," because you know you gotta, you know you I'm gotta. Gonna have to, I'm gonna them, have to. I'm gonna have to pinch one of those off of you. Yes, uh, we will. We will make that happen. In fact, we got we got a lot to talk about because we got things that uh, that are coming up that you and I may want to uh, try to uh, you know try to attend. Uh, Stogie news on the show today. Carlos Fuente Sr. has died. One of the legendary cigar makers yeah. in the world of all time. Like this, this guy was like the real deal. Uh, so he passed away. We'll give you the details on uh, on him and do a little tribute to him. Uh, where to smoke? There's a new cigar shop and lounge uh, that just opened in you were me about the that. Houston area. So we'll talk about that. And on today's show, what's the deal with Cubans? With this change in our national uh, United States policy with Cuba. Are Cubans legal? Can we smoke them? Can you buy them? Yeah, can, can I just go get one? Them? Why aren't they in the cigar shops? We'll talk about all of those things with a little sort of like where we are now uh, update on the legality of uh, Cubans. Plus, beer tasting. We're going to do uh, the St. Arnold. Uh, it, here's By the way, here's how you know that it's really summer. Like summer is officially here. It's because the Oktoberfest beer is out. Noted. <laughs> you know what it's, I mean? It's not the 100-degree it, temperatures. Yeah, it's it's Oktoberfest beer. It's almost like how you know it's like uh, you know going to be Halloween in a couple of months because you see Christmas decorations in the stores. <laughs> it's, it's kind of the same thing. Like, it seems a little premature, uh, but in the case of St. Arnold Oktoberfest, uh, it's interesting enough to go there and do a tasting. So I thought we'd do a tasting on uh, St. Arnold Oktoberfest, which just showed up in I'll look forward to that. I actually have some at my house as well. Plus, I brought for you, my friend, uh, and I have not tasted this, but we'll taste it together, a Sasquatch Imperial Chocolate Milk Stout. That looks really delicious. Because that sounds like it's yeah, right up your alley. <laughs> and I brought so, I brought a triple malt whiskey today. Oh, you were the man. Made in Scotland called Monkey Shoulder, uh-huh. and I'm going to introduce you to. And okay. uh, those of you who are looking at this on video can tell that I actually have sampled this bottle at least mm, once. At least one time, yes. Well, that's good to know. And I'm looking forward to sampling it, even if only to be able to add the phrase to my vocabulary. Monkey Shoulder. I got your Monkey Shoulder right here. So <laughs> uh, it's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. We are the program that uh, is dealing with, uh, you know, absolutely awesome or at least we think in most cases craft beers uh craft spirits like the monkey shoulder and uh fine cigars and we're going to take a quick break when we return uh we'll talk a little bit about the legality of cuban cigars it's on the way sip smoke and savor
So we mentioned Marley in the last segment. Bob Marley, that's his son Ziggy, of course. Uh, and this is Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. My name is Cruz, my partner, Ian Barry. Uh, Ian, uh, give me a, an overall rating on the cigar that you talked about in the last segment. Remind me remind me what the what the brand name of the cigar is that, that you smoked that big, huge... It was huge, JFR. A JFR, that's right. I love JFR cigars. Right. JFR started off as a... Uh, just for retail is what it actually stands oh, I for. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a uh, it's a Casa Fernandez cigar, and it was made just for the brick and mortar shops. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was man, it was a great cigar. It lasted forever, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, it smoked fantastic. I mean, the draw on it was great, and I just used a a clip on the end, um, and uh, it smoked fantastic all the way down until the point where I was out of the river and had uh, given my given my tube back mm-hmm. and then had to put it out but uh it's a, a nicaraguan uh binder nicaragua filler uh mexican san andreas uh wrapper nice which i said was really nice uh oily it held together really well it was a nice toothy kind of you could chew on it cigar you know, some cigars are just a little too delicate for an right. inner tube on the river right exactly but you so. don't want to get like a you know something that's just like a one note you know, no complexity type of right. cigar either because you want to really enjoy this as you're floating down. It's part well, of the whole then, experience. And then, you know? though I generally like a big, strong cigar, uh, I wanted something a little more in the medium range just because, uh, you know, I'm going to be smoking it for as long as a possible while. down the yeah. river. So <laughs> an hour and a half of a really strong cigar is a long time. And yes. this thing... Uh, this thing lasted, and it was like I said, it was a good medium. It went great with the uh, it went great with the beers that I was drinking, and and the fun and the sunburn. Plus, if it's too strong, you start to get a little you know dizzy, disoriented. Yeah, yeah. Wind up well if you, you get know, too much. Wind like, up in the Bermuda Triangle somewhere, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so it's important to be able to keep your wits about you. Uh, you know, I have to say, one of the guys was. Uh, it was one of his first times on the uh, camping trip, and he goes, he goes, well, what if I get in the river on the inner tube and I fall asleep? And I said, well, the only difference between you and us is you won't be drinking or smoking a cigar then. <laughs> There's really not much difference. Yeah, between. other than that, yes. <laughs> we'll wake you up when we get there. <clears throat> well, thank you guys for uh, tuning into the show. Our uh, email address is, um, uh, well, it's sip smoke and savor at gmail.com and sip smoke a and d savor at uh, gmail.com uh, we're also working on uh, a number of things but the facebook page is up so you can go to facebook and search sip smoke and savor and you should be able to find our page and we'd love for you to follow along and we try to post uh, photos ian's got a photo of this uh, monster cigar that he was just mentioning uh, next to some bananas. Is that the one you uh, are going to post? No, actually, I gave. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to post uh, the one next to the beer? Yeah, the one next to the beer is the one that I sent for that, so that um, so that you can actually get it next to something that you know. Bananas can vary in size, even though this cigar was bigger than the bananas that I owned. So, okay. well, they're really good about uh, posting info about the show on the Radio Brave page as well. So you might be able to see some of the photos and things there, or you can find our page. And uh, with any luck, we've had the forethought to have the two pages linked to each other you can actually see us in real time right now on the radio brave facebook right well yes although by the time this airs on radio brave you won't so that's it'll be like time travel right exactly but now do they go back bobby do they go back and capture these like can you go back and look at a previous facebook live thing okay 
The evidence remains. Oh. Damn it. I gave somebody the finger earlier. Okay. Uh, <laughs> during the break. That's great. Uh, wonderful. So uh, good to know. All right. Um, well, we're, we're anyway, glad to have you listening or checking us out on Facebook Live if you're doing that. Uh, we do appreciate it. Now, Ian, one of the things I've noticed that a lot of people who are, you know, not like hardcore into cigars, but enjoy one every now and then, um, several of my friends that would fall into that category have asked me recently, so what's the deal? Uh, I know we have taken steps towards normalizing relationships with Cuba. How come I'm not seeing Cuban cigars popping up in my uh, local cigar store? And I think there's a lot of bureaucracy that that's yes. worming through right now. Well, that's right. They absolutely is. And so I did a little research on it, and so I have a little report for you. Um, what is the deal with getting Cuban cigars legally? Now, there's always a guy who'll take you into the back room someplace and sell them to you, you know, uh, under the counter. Well, not always, but certainly we've encountered this before. In certain places, I think it might have been a dream Facebook Live. I'm not sure, but it could have happened. Uh, and uh, but but in terms of like getting them legally, <clears throat> and it is a legitimate question because like obviously if you go to Canada or Mexico or any place in Europe, you can see the. Uh, Cuban cigars on the counter. So the announcement of more normal diplomatic relations obviously has been welcome news, but even in a best-case diplomatic scenario, we're still a ways from finding Cuban cigar brands in our local Do we have any kind of time US estimate, or is this just shop. a big open government it's a long time? Big, there's three big obstacles, and so think about how long it's going to take to traverse these. All right, The first is the actual embargo has not been lifted. The embargo against bringing Cuban products into the United States has not been lifted. That's been in place since 1642, and actually removing it, because what happened was an executive order. Uh, President Obama signed an executive order working to normalize relations, but to lift the embargo would actually require an act of Congress. So the congressional Literally senators, yes, yes, an, act of an, an actual act of Congress. Now, the new rules will allow American travelers to return with up to $400 of Cuban goods if they visit Cuba, but only $100 worth of that can be alcohol or tobacco for personal use. So this is a long way from allowing commercial importation. And, you know, if you know anything about the prices of Cuban cigars, that's like, You'd have to take a couple out of the box of most boxes of yeah. Cuban cigars yeah. in order to fit, you know, uh, perfectly under the hundred dollar uh, limit. So, so that's the first thing. The embargo hasn't been lifted. That still needs to happen, and it will take a literal act of Congress uh, to do it. Second thing is, there's going to be a storm. I won't say what kind of storm because we're on Facebook Live, but there's going to be an S storm of trademark battles. Oh, yeah. Because the U.S. is the world's largest market for premium cigars, even though you can't buy Cubans legally here. We're the largest market. And that, while the embargo with Cuba has basically, you know, divided the global market into sort of like us and everybody else, um, the, because the U.S. has been such a big market, a lot of the cigar companies have um, basically licensed different heritage Cuban cigar names for use with non-Cuban cigars in the United States. So, for example, we have, we have Monte Cristos, we right. have Cohibas, we have Romeo and Julietas. Right, right. We have a number of the big Cuban brands 
are available. These have been licensed for exclusive use by General Cigar and Altadis and all, all of these uh, major big cigar companies. And these agreements are still in place. So if you are, let's say you're the company that releases the you know American uh, market release of Cohiba, which is a Dominican cigar or a Nicaraguan cigar, depending on what you buy. We talked about one on the show a few weeks right, ago right. and how good I thought it was. Um, well, you're not going to allow Cohiba Cuba to just come in the country after you've paid all this money to use that Cohiba name. You're not going to allow them to just come in and start selling on top of you. So there's huge, huge settlements that are going to have to go down yeah, yeah. before we can actually have, especially any of the marquee Cuban name brands, because they've all been licensed right. for a non-Cuban version. So those are all going to have to be figured out There's going to be way. some confusing labels for a while. I and bet. lawyers are going to make a lot of money before this is all over and done. And then the third big obstacle is, uh, according to the people who've kind of analyzed this and some of the stuff that I've read, is it's entirely possible that the FDA could ruin everything. And this would not be surprising since the FDA has kind of a long and storied history of doing exactly that. Um, the, if the embargo is lifted and the trademark disputes are worked out, you would think we can buy Cuban cigars. But when the president signed the Family Smoking Prevention and Tobacco Control Act in 2009, it gave regulatory power over tobacco to the FDA. It was formerly the Division of Tobacco, Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Now it's the FDA. So, like, the same guy that basically began the normalization of relationships with Cuba that could lead to Cuban cigars one day being available also put one of the big obstacles in place for us, which is the FDA. Uh, they have something they're trying to put into place. You know, they're already beginning to, like, um, put these bigger restrictions on approval for cigars and all of these things. The uh, the labeling, the packaging is going to have to be different. Um, they have talked about an exemption for premium cigars, which would allow them to be sold under less scrutiny than cigarettes. The proposed standards for this exemption are problematic, they say, in a couple of ways, such as uh, setting an effective price floor for cigars, banning all characterizing flavors for cigars. I mean, things that would really have to be worked out. Uh, despite these flaws, this option, too, they say, would actually leave the door open for eventual Cuban imports. But option one would be very bad news for cigars of all kinds, including Cubans, because option one would basically treat cigars just like cigarettes in terms of the way that they're regulated by the FDA. So, Which is crazy because that's not the way of, they're consumed either. Well, that, that's exactly right. And, of course, any cigar aficionado is going to tell you, wait a second, these are totally and completely different, uh, and it's a very different thing. But you know how it is when you're a senator or a congressman, you're usually looking for camera FaceTime, and you know railing against smokers is always an effective let's, way yeah, to do let's that. Let's lump this together, yeah. pork barrel yeah. this. Yeah. And nobody wants to raise taxes on the, you know, the actual consumer taxpayer, but boy, they have absolutely no problem with slapping a, uh, an additional tax on liquor or cigars or cigarettes or whatever. So anyway, uh, so those are the three big obstacles. So the good news is they're obstacles. They're not things that can't be surmounted. So we're going to keep our fingers crossed that we will eventually be able to legally smoke Cubans in the U.S. and buy them. And uh, we'll be the first to tell you about it if that happens. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. We will be right back and taste some Oktoberfest. Hey.
That sip, smoke, and savor on your radio or in your earbuds, or however you are consuming the show. Maybe you're uh, checking us out on Facebook Live. Uh, we're actually doing the show live on Facebook Live. Uh, it could be that by the time you hear this, that will already have taken place. But my understanding, if I've got this right, Bobby, people can go and look at the archive of the show. So you'll see things, for example, that may have never happened on Facebook Live before, like someone holding up a box of Samantha's macaroons, I'd which like, are multicolored and beautiful. So I'd like to go. say also, I waited all through the break just so I could make this sound on a microphone. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. that was actually kind of disappointing. It like was. it wasn't quite it was as loud as I was wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we'll do that again. It's We've still got another beer, one. though. Um, Ian is opening the St. Arnold Oktoberfest, which we are going to taste. And while he's uh, while he's doing the pouring, and thank you for doing that. We do want to recognize one of the giants in the cigar industry who passed away at 81 years old uh, recently, Carlos Fuente Sr. of Fuente Cigars. He was the uh, longtime chairman of Tabacalera Fuente. How do you say it? Fuente Isia? Yeah, I, I do have another one. Hang on. I'll grab it. It's down here. Oh, while you um, grab another one, I'll talk on the microphone. There we go. You. Let's mm-hmm. see if this one sounds better than the other one. All right. Stand Three, by for sound effect. Two. Oh, yeah, that's there what we is. were looking that's, for. That's the one. That's what we were looking for. Okay. Uh, so Carlos Fuente Sr., um, he, of course, presided over uh, both the uh, amazing Arturo Fuente brand and you know maybe one of the most famous cigar brands in the world, the Fuente Fuente Opus X. And so that's been a big part of his you know, mark that he has left on the cigar industry. He once told Cigar Aficionado, in um, an interview, he said, I never cared about being the largest cigar manufacturer. I always cared to be the best. And that's, that's kind of how Carlos Fuente Sr. was uh, wired. He's been you know, honored by so many uh, veterans of the cigar industry, with some of them calling him a great man, the greatest man I have ever known. Wayne Suarez said that. He was a uh, former Fuente executive. He was uh, also known as one of the hardest working men in the cigar industry. I've been working, he said to uh, Cigar Aficionado, he said, I've been working since I was eight years old, from selling fruits in the street, shining shoes. I've done just about anything I, that you can think of. When I was 14, 15 years old, I used to have two jobs. I used to go to school. I used to get up to deliver papers. And after school, I used to be at work until 11 at night in the drugstore. I've always loved to work. And that kind of passion really showed through in his cigars. I mean, one thing you have got to say about any... I have never smoked a bad Fuente cigar. No, ever. no. Never smoked one that didn't draw properly. Never smoked one that didn't have the kind of flavor that you know it should have for the price point and of course Fuente cigars are what got me into smoking cigars no the, kidding really your first real short, serious the, smokes the Hemingway series short story okay. so was the cigar that is to this day one of my absolute that's favorite a cigars. great cigar the uh, the Fuente short story man yeah. that is yeah, that absolutely. is just if if you're coming over and you say I'm bringing over a couple of Hemingway short stories, <laughs> I'll be like, dude, how quick can you get here? Like it's, it's one of those yeah. it's one of those kind of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, um, the Opus X was going back to the days of the early '90s cigar boom. Right, was sort of that holy grail yeah. 
for non-Cuban cigars. Have you ever smoked an Opus X? I mean, they're expensive. I have never smoked an Opus really? X. Really? Wow. I've never had one. I, I'm a little surprised, actually, because you're going just to have to fix that. such <laughs> a cigar uh, guy that, you know, I... And I know you'll, I know you'll, you know, lay down the money if it's something you really want. Yeah. You've had the Patron Anniversario that absolutely, we talked about, which is, yeah. well, this cigar is definitely in the same caliber right, right. as that. I think I have smoked. It's been a long time. I believe I've smoked two, and um, I will say that, you know, how sometimes how a cigar impacts you has a great deal to do with where you are, like at that yeah. moment. And the first Opus X I ever smoked. Blew me away. It was by far the best cigar experience I had ever had up to that moment. It was just spectacular. Um, and then a few years later, I uh, was, I think, gifted uh, one and smoked another one. And while it was very good, it didn't blow me away in the same way. Now, I, don't, I don't know if that's because I'd had you know a little more experience smoking, maybe had some other things to compare it to, or maybe, maybe I just wasn't in the same... You know, moment. I've had cigars that are not even that, you know, outstanding, but I had them in the right moment at the right yeah. time, and they were just mind that blowing. Forge, yeah, yeah, that will forge a memory that way. Yeah, that's, so, that's pretty nice. So for sure. But I do recommend, though. I think it's it's one of those cigars that everyone should try at least once. For anybody you know? out there feeling pity for me, since I've never actually smoked one, feel free. <laughs> Feel free to send one in. Uh, the man has monkey shoulders, so uh, he he can you know maybe share some of that with you if you uh, monkey shoulder. Yeah, we'll, and we'll be getting to that. First of all, though, we are going to be sampling uh, this year's Oktoberfest, uh, labeled as full bodied and malty. It's a slightly new packaging for St. Arnold this year, and I want to say this is the sixth or seventh year they've done Oktoberfest. At least, maybe, maybe even more than that. At so. least, and the can looks real pretty too. Yes. I don't know if you've seen it in a can. I had. Some of that over the weekend. I uh, oh okay. So this is not a virgin tasting for you then. No, no. I've had that. some over the weekend. <clears throat> all I, was, right. I was camping and I left all my cares behind and drank a lot of beer. I brought a lot of beer to take up that space. So did you bring a lot of variety of beer or did you pack a few favorites? I actually did. Almost everybody I camped with brought Lone Star. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, a Which Lone Star smoke. can be good in the right moment. Lone Star. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I hear the oh over here in the peanut gallery, but. Lone Star, actually, if you're just going to sit down and have some beers camping or, or, or yeah. cooking out or whatever, Lone Star's not a bad beer. It's Especially got if flavor. it's ice, it also, ice cold. But, but Lone Star, unlike a lot of other brews, will stand up when it does get a little warm. Yeah. Like, there's a few that have cold-activated cans, and that's an early warning system. <laughs> that is, man, when those mountains are not blue, that... Uh, you're in big trouble, that, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the liquid inside is not good at that point. But yes. uh, that's my personal opinion anyway. But, um, yeah, so I actually brought a variety. If you opened my cooler, uh, you would have found the Chesa we said earlier from... Um, which I got some of that last week, yeah, too. Yeah, it's really good. I and loved it. And loved the it. same company makes the London Homesick, which is also quite good. And then uh, I had the Sympathy, I had the Oktoberfest, and I had, oh, the uh, Berliner from um, from uh, Freetail, which mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. love that. I have a picture nice. of that with a cigar. I should put that on the site, too. I have okay. to send that over. All right, to... good. Well, you have to bring some of that in, because I don't know if I've tried that. And then I'll bring one in next All week. Right. That sounds like a plan. I'm not going to bring the one I have in my refrigerator now, because I'm going to drink that, but I'll buy okay, some more. We'll get some more, and we'll work on that for next week. Uh, so let's do a little tasting on this Oktoberfest. Described on the uh, bottle itself as full-bodied and malty, and that's one of the things I know from having had it before. It definitely is. It's got a pronounced malt to it. 
The malt is my favorite part of this because it's such a round and sweet malt flavor. Uh, and it's uh, there's no harshness to this beer at all. It's just round and sweet and has a great finish on it. Um, it's not real complex, if you ask me. It's just good at what it does, you know. What is it about this flavor? Because if you were to give this beer to me without telling me it was an Oktoberfest, I would probably guess, you know, this seems like a fall beer, like an Oktoberfest yeah. kind of beer. What is it that I taste in this that makes me think autumn? It's that big malty flavor more is than anything. Is it the malt? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's there's hops, but, just, uh, but it's not pronounced like you have in most... Summer beers, we want a light, crispy finish on a beer. Maybe a little more citrusy. This little, is yeah, a little the more citrusy. Malty, yeah. This this doesn't have the citrusy. This has a little more of that sweetness, a little more malt, almost more like a, a biscuit kind of flavor to it. And uh, and the finish doesn't linger very long. It's got it's got a little sweetness to it, but at the same time, um, it's it's just a warmer flavor in general. You know, it's got a little bit of spice to it, not like pumpkin spice, but just a little bit mm-hmm. of malt and a little bit of spice to it. That now I have had Oktoberfest before that had a hint of. Pumpkin spice. Right, I right. don't detect any of that no, in, no, the, not in, this one. in the St. Arnold Oktoberfest. Uh, the thing that I'm, I think, most pleasantly surprised at with the St. Arnold Oktoberfest is how drinkable it is. There are a number of Oktoberfests I've tried that, while they are very interesting for one beer, I don't necessarily want a second. I'm going to change up and go to something else. Well, I think whereas that, this I could drink multiple. I think that's uh, addition in a uh, this is not a session beer, a session ale, but mm-hmm. like in a sessionable beer where you can sit down and have more than one. Mm-hmm. First off, you don't want real high ABVs for. Well, I mean, some people might, but <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to be coherent for a full session, right? You you, you don't want real high ABVs, uh, which is which this fits into the category. This is. Mm-hmm. In the five percent range, I, I believe. I think that's about right. Yeah, uh, that's a guess. You can uh, email me if I'm wrong. Yeah. At sipsmokeandsavor at gmail dot com. But um, anyway, it's it's not a terribly high uh, alcohol content, but also uh, the flavor's not so complex that you have to sit and really, really chew on it, so to speak, mm-hmm. mentally or physically. And there's a number of beers we've tried on the show that are that. I mean, part yeah. of the fun of them is taking that. Sip and then leaning that, back and going, okay, what am I getting? We had that Chimay yeah. uh, that, oh, that you brought in, the Grand Reserve. Yes, that was and, great. And while that's a fantastic beer, and I love to sit down and split that bomber, you know, mm-hmm. the, the big bottle uh, with you, it's not something that you sit down and drink, you know, five or six of. Right. Because exactly. first off, you'd be gone. They're 10%. <laughs> I'm right. good at this. I'd be, you know, <laughs> he's a veteran. <laughs> I'd be pretty, you know, I practice. <laughs> But uh, that would still hurt me. But uh, also at the same time, um, you know, it has a lot more complex flavors to it as well. And mm-hmm. you know, if you're just if you're flipping burgers or just having a uh, just having a good time hanging out with friends and stuff, you know, you don't want your full attention on your beer. That's right. Yeah, you, know, you want to enjoy yeah. it and be able mm-hmm. to move on. And this particular beer, I think, does a great job of balancing that. It's good. It's interesting. It's fun. But it's not so much of any of those things to distract you from everything else you're doing. And one of the things that I like about it is because Oktoberfest beer seems to come out in July now as a rule of thumb, um, this is still pretty drinkable even when it's warm yeah. outside. Yeah. Like you don't just, there's there are some beers that when it's, when it's super warm outside, you drink them, you go, oh man, I'm going to have to just postpone this until uh, until the weather turns because it's just not a warm weather beer. This is still kind of on on the cusp. I think you can right. drink it in the summer. And I'll buy this by the six pack, but the minute I notice that it's a little harder to find, I'll buy a case and I'll put it in my. Uh, uh, see, this I'll is, put it in my counter. Um, he's a man with a plan, ladies and gentlemen. Ian Barry on sip, smoke, and savor. Our email address is sip, smoke, and savor a and d savor uh, at gmail dot com. 
Uh, you can email us thoughts, comments, um, something we said that you thought rude, was really stupid. Rude gestures, yeah, whatever. Rude gestures, yes, like the one I gave earlier on Facebook Live. Uh, you can send those to us, uh, sipsmokeandsaver at gmail.com. When we come back, uh, Houstonians have a new place to check out uh, premium cigars. We'll tell you about that. Plus, Wild Turkey has announced a new creative director. We'll tell you who that is. Welcome back to Sip, Smoke, and Savor, the program that is about craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. And I just wanted to say, boys and girls, that if you're doing a show and you need a tripod for your camera and you don't have one, you can get inventive like Bobby, our uh, engineer and the program director for Radio Brave, uh, has done here. You can fashion one from a ladder. And I wish I could show it to you, but if I do, I'll mess up the whole Facebook Live It's quite magnificent. I think after the show, we'll have to, right before we close down the Facebook Live, we'll have to... We'll have to show move the you camera our, around our and show it. Man. Yeah, it's, it's it's really quite a setup. It's lavish. So I want it's you to lavish. hear this first. Okay. Oh, see, we're all about sound effects today, and I'm lo- oh oh. And now here's what's really interesting, is that when you did that, when you like made the sound from blowing across the top of the bottle, I actually got just the tiniest scent of the monkey shoulder uh, whiskey. I am now really looking forward to this tasting. That is, uh, that is going to be so great. So going into the break, I mentioned that Wild Turkey, the you know uh, legendary whiskey, uh, has the history uh, and qualities of a brand. A famous man once said that depicts the dedication of someone to do something in their own way, even if that way isn't necessarily popular. That's a quote from the man who is going to be the new creative director. For Wild Turkey, uh, and will be starring in their commercials. So friends and neighbors and fellow Texans, uh, if you're in the Lone Star State, get ready for some wonderful Wild Turkey weirdness because Matthew McConaughey is the new spokesperson and creative director for Wild Turkey. So this not only means... That he's going to be in the commercials, it means he's going to be writing this stuff. How brilliant is he going to do that, that while he's in his Lincoln? I don't know. But, well, I, I certainly we we would hope <laughs> that he would not drink and drive. But you got to love this man. Like I, I started out actually not being a big fan of his, and then I wound up seeing him in uh, a couple of movies where I was like, okay, I'm I'm being stubborn. The guys the guy's actually a great great actor and these days i find myself a total fan and i enjoy his commercials his lincoln commercials only because like just somebody had the guts to do commercials that weird i like that you know and so i can't wait to see what he does for wild turkey you know he's actually going to be the guy I mean, that's, just, that's I just fun. love I just that's love fun. the stream of consciousness stuff that he does. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, of course, I don't and, know. and the subsequent Saturday Night Lives. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And you know, of course, there's that other thing too. And I don't know how big of a uh, how big of a female buying audience Wild Turkey has, but I bet it will increase because the the women seem to love the Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. So, so Matthew, here's to you. Even though we're not sampling wild turkey, we'll have to do that. We'll just extend an open uh, invitation to Matthew, by the way, to come on the show. And what's great is 
he like if he if he heard that he might just do it like he's he's that like down to much earth, of a down to earth dude from what I understand so anyway should be interesting watch for your wild turkey ads coming soon to uh, you know media uh, near you so speaking of whiskey we're into the segment now where we want to do some spirit uh, tasting and Ian has brought this wonderful well I say wonderful I haven't tasted it yet it's empty but I just love. The, and I'm trying to hold this for the camera. I don't know if I'm doing it right. But uh, the whiskey is called Monkey Shoulder. It's blended malt scotch whiskey, batch 27. And you can see the three monkeys kind of etched onto the bottle. I love the bottle design there. I think that's fantastic. Uh, Ian, tell us about, uh, about the uh, Monkey Shoulder. This is a uh, triple malt scotch whiskey. So that's why three monkeys, single, I think, right? right? As opposed to a single malt. That's why there is three monkeys. And the name itself, Monkey Shoulder, refers to, um, in the distilleries, you have a, a, a guy who, a, a malt man, who takes a big spatula across the floor and flips the malts over. I want to be the malt man. And apparently they used to have such long hours, and it would mess up your shoulder to the point where one arm would just kind of hang. And they oh, called right, that, because you'd be doing that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they called that condition Monkey Shoulder. So this is kind of a hats off to the malt men who make something like this. Um, available or make it uh, uh, something that you can do. And and the reason it's uh, called a triple malt is because it's a blended whiskey. It's three different malt, was uh, it, single malts blended to create this flavor. Was it John Lennon that said, uh, they are the egg man, I am the malt man? Was that, was, <laughs> am I getting that I'm wrong? I'm the malt man. No, that's interesting because I thought when you first showed me this bottle before we started the show, I thought that the monkey shoulder was a reference, you know, the phrase monkey on my back. Uh, like if you've got like an addiction, something you can't shake. Uh, I thought maybe this was a way of sort of like playing with that phrase a little bit. Like I don't have a monkey on my back, but I might have one on my shoulder. No, it's, it's you know? way less dark than that. It's just a physical malady. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> way less dark. Way it's, less just, dark. it's just a guy whose arm hangs down uh, funny when he walks. After, so. after many, many hours of well, work. This is uh, this is fascinating stuff, and I have to say I have very high expectations for this, and it just goes to show you how we respond to packaging because I do love the packaging. It's classy. It looks it's good. Very cool. So I have high expectations. It looks good. We'll see how it uh, lives up to it. Anything you want to tell us about the flavor and the Cheers taste? You. Well, we it is malty. It is all malty. Oh, I can smell that. It's, yeah. Like today, like between the Oktoberfest and this, these are two great things. Like I bet this would make like the best boiler maker ever. And unfortunately, mm. this is the end of it, so we can't really do that today. Is it hard to find? No, I don't think so. I think okay. I think it's pretty easy off the shelf, and it's a decent price. It's between thirty and forty, I think, at most places. Oh. And it is good. It's just it's uh, it's um it's not a lot of complexity. It's got a little spice, a little malt, a little vanilla to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, it's just good. It's just it hits the tongue. It doesn't hit it harsh. It leaves super smooth, and you just have that sweet maltiness all the way through. And uh, I'm not sure. Which uh, which distilleries they're getting the um, the uh, the whiskeys that they're blending for this? Mm-hmm. But it is premium and it's quite good. Well, while you were talking, I just took the first sip, and I'm so I'm now in that moment, that wonderful whiskey warmth moment, you know, yeah, where yeah. it just kind of like permeates through your body, and it's so nice. So, I uh, love the this first, is very good. The very first good. breath out of the nose after mm-hmm. I always take a sip, like so. Yes, yes. Facebook Live. Enjoy what it. What up? What up? 
And then I like to exhale slowly through the nose to get a lot of those things. You get a lot of the vanilla that way. You know, that's something I think we should probably spend more time on the show um, talking about whether it's cigars or whiskey or craft beer is some of the ways to best enjoy um, what it is that we're because that's what this is all about is like enjoying these good life things. Right. So it's like. What are what is it, what are the right techniques? Am I doing the right thing when I smoke a cigar to really enjoy it the most? Am I doing the right thing when I sample a whiskey to get the most out of the flavor? And so I really like what you just described as a good like sort of like whiskey one oh one way to kind of like say this is what you should be doing to really enhance your enjoyment. It of, is. And of one the of the things I do anytime I'm trying a new uh whiskey or, you know, new uh, liquor of any sort, really, um, is I'll always try it uh, neat with just a touch, touch of water to open up. Every distillery on earth is going to tell you, you put a splash of water in it to open up the flavor a little bit. So what you, when you're talking a couple of drops? Yeah, just a couple can, yeah. of drops. All mm-hmm. you need is enough to, to, to you know, open the flavor a little bit, get the aroma moving around and everything. So when you bring it up to your nose, you really get the, the good nose from it and everything. Mm. Um, but I also like to try it with a lump of ice. You know, I like I like my whiskey cold a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Most, of, most of the time, if you catch me, uh, like when I'm not just doing a tasting, I'll actually put a couple uh, small chunks of ice in there. And I like the flavor, and this is instead of a little bit of water, uh, because you don't necessarily need ice and water, um, so I'll put a, a lump of ice in there, and I'll just let it melt in there, and I'll taste the flavors while it's cold. Mm-hmm. And it changes as it warms up as well and opens up a little bit as well, right. as the water melts into it. So it, I get a lot of enjoy. It's like three levels of enjoyment at that point in time. Now, I'm one of those guys that when I have vodka, once I open the bottle, the bottle goes into the freezer. I really like that cold ah, yeah. vodka. I like to make martinis, so it's also great if the right. vodka's already cold. But even if I'm just having a you know a shot or a sip uh, of vodka in a bottle, I will often take it right out of the freezer and pour it, and even some of the flavored vodkas. But I have noticed that if I allow that vodka to warm up, there is a change. I'm not saying it's better. In fact, sometimes I like it frozen and almost syrupy uh, uh, the best. But there is a change in the flavor profile yes. as the vodka warms up. and that So if that's true for the clear spirits, it would be even more so for the brown I, spirits. Yeah, I find it very true. Anytime you're going to have like the lighter flavors, like the the, uh, the notes of uh, citrus or you know the, the fruitier notes and things like that, they're going to come out when it's cold. You'll taste the warmer, spicier flavors, the maltier flavors and mm-hmm. thing like, things like that as it warms up. So it's kind of fun. Like I said, I like to I like to try it out like this first, and then I like to go to having a couple cubes of ice in it and try the whole profile from cold all the way to warm and a little water, you know. And so how much change do you detect? If you were to take this right now, this is room temperature. If you were to take this and drop an ice cube in it and then allow it to cool for a moment and go back to it, how much change would there be? There would be a large change. Yeah. There would be a whole bunch of different flavors that you'd you'd uh, taste that would be different. So first off, this is very malty. It's mm-hmm. it's a triple malt, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's blended, and it's very malty. Uh, and there's a little bit of vanilla in there, but I, uh, I can just about guarantee if you put a cube of ice in here and let it chill this whole thing down, you'll taste way more of the vanilla. You might even get some notes of caramel in there. And then, uh, and then as it warms up, you'll get back to the maltier flavors. So this is the reason that some and people sweeter prefer, flavors. like a scotch on the rocks, it could right. be that they prefer that flavor pronouncement 
over something that is more malty that right. uh, and then other people like it neat because they don't want to well, change the maltiness. If you, you know? take a basic like a Glen Levitt 12 year old, mm-hmm. which is just a you know, it's just a good scotch. It's a good single malt and uh, and it's affordable. Uh, everyone can try that. And so if you pour it in a glass, the first thing I always notice is it has some fruity smells, but when I make it cold, when I put it over rocks, mm-hmm. it smells like apple, like big time mm. apple. Mm. And I taste that very fresh apple kind of uh, uh, and cidery kind of flavors. Mm-hmm. When it's cold, as it warms up, you start getting the maltier flavors in right. there and you get a little bit of cinnamon and a couple other things going on that don't show up when it's really cold. So it's an interesting flavor profile in that too. We should have one of those on the show too. Fascinating stuff. Monkey Shoulder, I rate this very, very highly and I am hoping we can uh, get another bottle of this because this is good. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor. When we return, we have another beer to taste and uh, information about a new place to smoke in the greater Houston area. So tell you about that coming up. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor on Radio Brave. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor, the show about uh, craft beer, craft spirits, and fine cigars. My name is Cruz. My partner, Ian Barry. Welcome back to our our final segment. And uh, I just want to say, as we enter our uh, fine segment, we want to uh, give special recognition to Mark Zuckerberg at uh, Facebook for uh, setting up the whole Facebook Live thing. I'm sure he was directly involved. Um, and so so this allows us to do our first actual Facebook Live experience. And I don't know about you, Ian, but I'm kind of digging this. I am, too. I want yep. you to listen to this sound. Okay. Give, the sound effects give me a sound effect. Yep. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, nice. So, uh, so Ian has just opened uh, the beer that we're going to be uh, sampling in our final segment here. And this is a Sasquatch Imperial chocolate milk stout so ian help me with the the descriptor here when uh you're talking about an ipa or another style of beer and it's described as imperial that means it's like a little over the top with uh with hops and it's big and it's like maybe not something you're going to want to drink more than one of but wow it's going to knock your socks off it's that kind of a vibe is that the same vibe bobby you want some of this uh is that the same vibe for uh, for a, for a chocolate milk stout? So is this as compared to other milk stouts that aren't described as imperial? Well, Should I expect yeah, this to imperial be bigger? Imperial stout's going to be a bigger overall profile, and mm-hmm. this pretty much. I wish we had a clear get, uh, clear glass for this because this pretty much looks like motor oil, uh, although it's a little more brown, like used motor maybe oil. Show but that it, to the camera. I don't know if that's it working smells right there. so good. Yeah, uh, I think that may be working right there, so the camera can see that. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, it does. It may look like motor oil, but it smells like a wonderful yeah. chocolatey concoction. Is what it smells like. Almost like a so. chocolate cookie with a little bitter to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. As if you, uh, yeah, as if you baked a little, uh, just, just a, baked little, it a little uh, bit long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, so we're quite, gonna try the taste. Here. Not quite burned, but uh, mm-hmm. just a little on the bitter side, which we, I think is. Do I'm we still have the can? I want to show the can to the um, uh, to the camera here, so they can see because this is really interesting. It's nine oh three Brewery, uh, and it says made for the people with pride and flavor, Texas brewed ale. It's Sasquatch, and there is a photo or not a photo <laughs> there's a photo of sasquatch oh my god we found him <laughs> uh there is a drawing have you, have you seen me of sasquatch 
<laughs> you can tell this is the last segment and we tried the monkey shoulder, right? Um, so there's a drawing of Sasquatch on there. But I did want to show the can because this is a, this is a very, very nice beer. And then I'll give that back to Bobby because that was uh, – that was it. So, uh, so what do you think? Have you tried this yet? Or are we trying now? I haven't tried this yet. I just uh, tried the smell of it a moment ago, mm-hmm. just getting right. it on my nose and uh, kind of getting ready for it. Let's give this a try. I'm and gonna see let what you go ahead and do it in All case right. it's poisonous. Let's see what happens when you take a sip of it. Well, I brought it, so I feel fairly safe. There you go. Um, well, the first thing that I will tell you is that it's a lot smoother and more drinkable than I was expecting, both from the description of an imperial chocolate milk stout. And also from the initial nose, when uh, we smelled it, it smelled, I think, bigger than it comes across. It's actually quite smooth. Very smooth. Very yeah, smooth. quite It has smooth. a big bitterness that happens right on the tail end of it mm-hmm. that, that kind of goes away in a nice way, too. Just just barely lingers. Right. but It's there, but it goes away, which yeah. I think may be what I'm sort of referring to, because I was kind of expecting this to wallop me a little bit more. Than it does, and I mean this in a positive way. Like I don't want it to wallop me. Yeah, it's not. It's not it really upfront flavor. It's it's mm-hmm. right in the middle of it and towards the back. And I can see why they do describe it as a chocolate milk stout. Yes. Now, I've had some milk stouts that I really loved. In particular, uh, my favorite, I think, that I've ever tried is the left hand. Left hand. I have milk one of those stout. in the fridge. Oh my goodness, that's a great beer. Um, this is very different from that, though. It is more chocolatey. Yeah, this has got a yeah. creaminess to it mm-hmm. almost. That uh, that you don't always find either. Mm. So. The the so, the thickness of it, the viscosity, if you will. <laughs> well, you already described it as looking like <laughs> the <motor> viscousness. Oil, so. <laughs> the viscosity of this is is nice. It actually, uh, I think, it adds to the flavor. It adds to the mouthfeel, mm-hmm. um, so to speak, because it really does have a nice big stout kind of feel to it as well. You're really knowledgeable in in the fields of. Uh, of stouts and and porters, how would you how would you rank this? I mean, would you say this is a uh, uh, a top one? Would you would you put this high up on your rankings of of stouts? I would put this uh, definitely above average. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely above average. I, my absolute favorite in this style is the Founders Breakfast mm, Stout. I love Founders, which is absolutely amazing, and that would be a ten. Um, this is. Uh, this is good. Yeah, this is good. It's very drinkable. Uh, I would definitely enjoy a glass of this around a campfire. That's kind of how it feels. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a summer beer, right? Um, obviously, stouts always feel more like winter. You think more winter, yes, right? And oddly enough, during the winter, I think more of a stout, and I'll sometimes smoke a pipe with it. Oh, interesting. And have, so that, and have a pipe tobacco with and it. So uh, this, what kind of pipe tobacco would you use? Just kind of a there's standard? There's a, a uh, really nice uh, Cavendish blend that they have okay. over at the Briar Shop, and it's called the Accountant. Nice. Of all things, it smells great. It's got a ton of vanilla, yeah, and, and it's uh, and it's a great, and it would go almost perfect with this. And I, and while the beer is not a ten of ten, I think, uh, I think if you put those two things together, you would equal like better than both of them. You would have a ten yeah. experience, from, yeah, uh, from the 100%. combination. I like Very it. I think it's good. I would I would buy this. I would drink this again. Yeah. Uh, I I think this is is good as well. Uh, I will say that. Uh, well, let me ask you this: um, if someone is not that experience with stouts, but they like Guinness. Would you recommend this as a uh, as a next step? Maybe this has yeah, this has more flavor profile to it and more um, more outside the uh, normal kind of stout flavors than Guinness. But yeah, it would be a nice next step because mm-hmm. it's not it's imperial, but it's not giant. It's not harsh. It's real smooth. 
It finishes nice, and that's the most important thing. The finish on a stout to me is so important because if it doesn't finish smooth, then you just have a bitter stout. Well, I'm pretty impressed with the smoothness of this, yeah. and that's uh, you know to me one of the things that I think it can be a little scarier uh, for some people about. Um, heavier beers, let's say, whether they're you know porters or stouts or even IPAs and and uh, ESBs, can be th- just that that the worry that it's going to linger yeah. as going to have a lingering bitterness. And this there is, as you said, a little bitterness on the aftertaste, but it really subsides quickly, yeah. and you're left with kind of that chocolate milk sort of yeah. uh, feel. Uh, to to the beer, so so I'd say I recommend it uh, very highly. I like it a lot. It's a uh, it's a good it's a good uh, it's creamy enough that it's not bothering me that we're drinking it in August, even though I would I would put it as more of a winter kind of a beer. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be drinking this outdoors in August, but no, uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't see that. Although it's probably not bad warm. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's one of the I things about stouts too is. You know, I cold. If they're too cold, it kind of bothers me a lot of times. So. Yeah, well, I I have to say, I think that's quite good. I'm I'm very impressed with it, and I as well would buy this again. Judging also by the fact that we both just finished our samples yes. that quickly, I'm going <laughs> to assume does that tell you something right there. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I wanted to mention that there's a new um, uh, place to smoke in the in our where to smoke uh, segment. There's a new place to smoke and to buy cigars coming up for those who listen in the Houston area. And we have listeners all over. But we talk about Houston a lot. It's where we both live, and it's uh, where, you know, maybe the, the first nucleus, the first wave of sip, smoke, and savor listeners are. Uh, and so there's a new place that has opened at 1905 South Derry Ashford Road, and it's called Friendly Fire Cigars. And it's a, uh, it's a, you know, cigar store and smoking lounge and a uh, pretty cool place. In fact, uh, we'll be visiting it soon, so we'll be back with a report. So. That sounds good. Yeah. So uh, you might want to check them out online. Uh, they've had their uh, soft opening launch party, but they'll be doing, I'm sure, a big grand opening. These days you get to do a soft opening and a grand opening, so you might as well, uh, especially when it involves, you know, sitting down and smoking. So, uh, But they are at 1905 South Derry Ashford Road, so West Houston, and you'll, uh, it says here, uh, street parking permitted on Whittington Drive. So it sounds like that's, <laughs> that may be an important thing to, uh, to remember. But congratulations to, to those guys for opening their doors, and we'll be checking them out and uh, letting you know a little bit about them. Also, coming up in a uh, future episode of the show, and I'm not sure if this will be next week because it depends on uh, a couple of things we're waiting to see if they fall into place for next week. But coming up on a future episode of the show, we want to do a Beer 101 segment about IPAs, debunking the myths that surround the Imperial Pale Ale, or the India, I'm sorry, the India Pale Ale. There is a, uh, there is a common story about how IPA came to be that I've read recently may not be as true as what, uh, as what you think. So uh, how did they actually come in, and what are some of the myths surrounding IPAs? So we want to do that, and we want to do some IPA tastings, uh, maybe a whole variety of IPA tastings on a very special episode of the show coming up. And being an IPA fan, I know these days it's, it's 
not as hip to be an IPA fan, but I, I like it. It's my favorite style of beer, so I'm I'm excited about that. And I know you enjoy a good IPA, even if it's not your very I think, favorite. I think yeah. that sounds like a fun show. I think also in, in some of the future shows, what we need to do is have uh, one-on-ones on other styles as well. Stouts I agree totally. Stouts. And uh, porters. Yeah, and even lagers. Scotch and, ales. Uh, scotch I love scotch ales so How much fun would that be? Yeah, so, I love this. This is why we started this show <laughs> in the first place. It's really about... You know, the samples. That's what it's really about. And we, we keep coming back to that. And I think as long as we stay true into that mantra, it'll be a show that we enjoy doing. And if we enjoy it, hopefully everyone else will. Well, not so. only that, this is actually what it sounds like when we hang out. The only difference is we have cigars and we're not in the studio. <laughs> and thanks to Mike Zuckerberg, we have Facebook Live. Or Mark, I'm sorry, Mark Zuckerberg. Honestly, I've only had a little bit of the monkey shoulder and uh, a little bit of this. I uh, want to say thanks to uh, everyone who has contributed to uh, the program today. Thanks to my lovely wife, uh, Mary, who helped me line some things up. Uh, thanks to Samantha, who is here uh, doing social media. Uh, Bobby, who is engineering and enjoying some of the Sasquatch uh, right about now. And uh, also thanks, of course, to Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook. We want to uh, mention him specifically. Uh, Mark, thank you for promoting us on your fine uh, on your fine establishment there. Ian, have a great week, my friend. Great job today, I sir. I can't wait to uh, hang with you again next week. It should be fun. Thank you, folks, for listening. It's Sip, Smoke, and Savor from Radio Brave. This is Radio Brave. Keep listening. It gets even better. I like that very much. Radio Brave. Mind and Music Radio.